Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Carmen Smith, or rather Baroness Smith of Llanweis, is now the youngest member of the House of Lords, and she joins us on the pod tonight to discuss her new role and the role of the Lords in democracy and in Wales. Hello, Carmen. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Very well. Firstly, congratulations on the appointment. So the youngest member of the House of Lords and former Chief of Staff to the Plaid Cymru Senedd group is an impressive political resume, but, but what first motivated you to get involved in politics? Right, that's a, I love this question actually, um, because um, there was one particular moment actually. So when I was, oh, how old was I? I think um, 16, 17, and there was a, uh, like a local elections going on in Ennismorn at the time, um, and that's where I was living. And um, so some applied activists knocked on my door um including Leanne which uh, was quite a quite a surprise really um you know I, I was just like oh my, my parents aren't in sorry and she was just like um well I'm quite interested in talking to you and I was like I generally I'm not interested in politics sorry yes yeah, so just carried on with my day and then the next day I saw her in um the, the local village um, and she was being followed by some TV cameras and I was just like oh that was that woman I met yesterday and um, I walked past her and she remembered my name and it sounds really small but to be honest it was quite a it just it was quite a big deal just to kind of see I suppose a woman being taken quite seriously um, in that kind of sphere and I think I just always presumed it was just for for men and um, you know people from a certain background so um, and so I just basically started uh, getting interested in politics from that moment really I suppose Leanne inspired me to to join Plaid and it just you know I shared like similar values and stuff with the party and that's kind of um, yeah where it all started really. I think everybody who's been involved in sort of professional politics, Carmen, though, can knows that there's quite a big jump, isn't there, between being interested and even being an activist and sort of getting involved in the front line. And obviously, you've you know you've you've done quite a lot in your short career. Obviously, without talking about the being the chief of staff to play Cymru, you've also worked in the European Parliament, been a candidate for the European uh, parliamentary elections when we were still in the EU. What what was the practical steps in getting involved at such a young age in professional politics? I guess a couple of things, really. One, that was like kind of my route in terms of getting interested in like national politics. And then from that moment, I then had like some work experience um, with um, Yeoman Jones at the time, who was the member of Senate at the time for Ennis Morn. And that kind of I don't know, just showed me what actually politicians do, to be honest, and in terms of like understanding what casework um, look like and kind of that aspect. But then in terms of just general, like getting involved, I really wanted to do something about um, changing policy on carers. So I was a, I was a young carer and I felt that there were a few things that um, happened um, growing up that was really frustrating, you know, just getting passed through the houses in terms of trying to get financial support. And it just really, really just wasn't like efficient. And so that's why I got involved in at like college and college men. I just um, involved the students union. And that's literally why I got involved was kind of, I want to do something about that specific issue. In terms of like that specific issue, some people might not see that as like being, I suppose, political, but it was just like, I was kind of brought in on like an issues based. 
And then um, from that moment, I guess, um, being involved in NUS and then being more involved then in like the applied um, youth movement, you know, just other things came up that I was just like, oh, I'm really interested in that and I want to help contribute basically i guess there's loads of little moments and it's it's not really one um but yeah it's you just kind of you're not involved at all and then suddenly you're just really involved (laughs) so now now you're a baroness does that title jar you at all you know you're not a supporter of an unelected Uh second chamber but have you found it hard to reconcile that belief with your decision to take the seat I mean, honestly, if you asked me, if you told me a year ago, um, I wouldn't believe you for sure. And it's something that traditionally I haven't been interested in. Um, and I don't really see it as, I mean, you know, for the title, but I see it more of a trying to prove that it doesn't need to be a certain person from a certain background that goes into it, if you know what I mean. So hopefully by doing so, and if I, you know, hopefully do a good job, um, we can get newer voices in who um, perhaps next time they're like, oh, they see something and they're like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't really think I know enough or I don't have the confidence that maybe, you know, I could kind of motivate them to perhaps consider it, you know. So I don't really see it as the, you know, the the title. So to, yeah, and I think it's quite quite jarring, like you, like you say, um, but I think it's just a great opportunity to potentially just bring new new voices in, basically. Is the process of becoming a member of the House of Lords quite as antiquated as we might expect? Oh, is there well, anything that's strange that's happened so far to you that you 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 know you feel like you're obligated to report back on? Yeah, so I mean it's it's early days at the moment, so I'm sure when at some point when I speak to you again, I'll I'll have plenty of stories to tell. But um I mean so far I've had a meeting with the the, the title is um, the Garter King of Arms. So they're like the representative of of, of the king. Um, and basically that is how you then like get given a title. And that kind of whole meeting in itself was just, I mean, just really strange to me. Um, but then there is a the ceremony in a, in a few weeks time where you get introduced to parliament and there is a lot of traditions there that you kind of wonder, you know, why why they still exist as they do just in terms of like wearing the gown and that kind of kind of side of things um so yeah it it is all a bit I I think I'm just taking it day by day at the moment and you know as things come but um yeah it's quite it's quite strange so why did you pick Slamvice rather than Anis Morn choices like that I've I've always fascinated how people make those decisions about titles I just felt like I wanted if, if I was going to have a title and I had to because my surname is Smith so it's as as common as you get so you, you actually have to then have a title because there's already Smiths in the Lords basically um so um I I just feel like choosing Llan Vice for one it's a, a Welsh name so I think it's important to you know platform the Welsh language more um especially in that space but then also Sham Vice is, um, well, it's where I grew up, and it's mainly um, a council estate. It's an underprivileged area. Um, I don't think many people know about it. And it just kind of felt like, you know, something that I wanted to promote, if you know what I mean, um, rather than Ernest Morn in, in terms of its, you know, I think quite a few people know about, um, you know, where Ernest Morn is. Um, but Sham Vice is more um, unknown. Um, but I think that was kind of suited, really. So in the media you've done to date, you've discussed how you think that Wales 
will be independent in your lifetime. But how would you describe the sort of health of that campaign currently? It's a journey. Um, you know, we're not going to get um, independence tomorrow. However, I think it's a journey that where every conversation matters, uh, you know, every conversation is another step in that direction. And ultimately, um, I think we all, you know, Westminster isn't working for Wales and there's no sign that it's going to change in, in that way in terms of um, how, um, you know, budgets are decided and Wales is only really being given enough money to be able to to survive and not thrive. And um, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really like bought into that um, kind of future for Wales as in Wales having its own, being able to make its own decisions and have the opportunity to bring in investment and grow. Um, and yeah, so like, yeah, independence isn't going to happen tomorrow, but I, I do believe it will happen in my lifetime because a lot of people um, my age and in my generation um, are a lot more like curious about it, I guess. Um, and I think that that kind of conversation and those opinions are, are just going to get stronger. You've also stated, of course, that you're not a favour of Wales if we became independent of having ever, ever having an unelected second chamber. But could you see the appeal of a, spa of a space for a, a revising chamber or even a constitutionally mandated space for, for experts within the Welsh democratic system? I quite like the idea of citizens' assemblies um, and just kind of rethinking how a modern democracy looks like. And I think that's what's quite exciting is in in, a, in an independent Wales, we can kind of decide what that democracy looks like in a more like, you know, fair way and how it actually could represent society. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, what it would look like, but I'm very much open to being part of that kind of discussion. But certainly it shouldn't be unelected and it shouldn't just represent one part of society. You set yourself up to be quite a disruptor, I think, of the sort of established order of, of the House of Lords. What do you think are the practical steps you'd take in order to, to do this? Do you think it is more just informing the public about what's actually going on in the Lords, or do you think there is a sort of practical step you'll be able to take as a politician to, to influence the way they operate? I think ultimately, I, I you know, have to be realistic. I am just one voice in that chamber. But I think, you know, what I hope to bring to the role is to be able to communicate um, to different audiences about what happens there and get their kind of perspective, kind of being a, le a legislator that can understand ordinary people more. Um, and I think that's kind of where um, I can I can add more to to that chamber, um, but in terms of like you know looking in, into the future in terms of you know being a disruptor, well it just needs shaking up and ultimately I I hope that other people could join me there to do that too. In terms of policy areas, I think you've, you've mentioned a couple so far, sort of the, the pursuit of Welsh independence, the Welsh language, um, obviously. Uh, issues relating to care support but what are the kind of key policy areas that you know are really in your heart and you want to take forward within the, the second chamber so i think there's um four kind of main areas that um i'd like to to focus on so one would be a spotlight on welsh communities and welsh issues and um an example of that would be um in terms of cold tip safety and kind of exploring how um, we can support communities 
in, in, in Wales in terms of, uh, well, Westminster isn't paying for that coal tip safety. However, those communities um, contributed to the whole of, you know, the UK in the past. Um, so that, you know, just in terms of the, the fact that that's not equitable. So like an example of like, you know, like a, a, a Welsh current affairs issues that probably aren't being raised in that space. Um, so just, you know, first and uh, uh, first of all, just being a voice that stands up for um, the people of Wales and Welsh specific issues that just aren't, um, you know, being voiced and just using that platform to, to kind of share that message. And then a second area that I'd like to um, focus on is, um, and I've touched on this, is in terms of just championing un underheard voices as well. So, um, you know, in terms of well, people from um, a working class background, um, young women, uh, people of colour, asylum seekers, like trying to create platforms for those that often just aren't heard in those spaces um, and kind of supporting them to, to to have that platform basically and and you know be able to um, voice their opinions and in a third area this is more I suppose time sensitive because we don't know what's going to happen in um, the next general election but in terms of while David Cameron sits in the Lords um, as Foreign Secretary, um, MPs can't ask him questions formally, and it's only those in the in the Lords that can. Um, so, you know, I see a, a bit of a role there in terms of scrutinising his work um, in in that kind of space. And then I think just the last one would just be the the you know what you know why I'm in that role is the um, the day to day day stuff in terms of legislation. Um, at the moment, they're discussing, um, you know, the Randa bill. Um, Plaid have been very strong on, you know, in terms of the grounds of it being immoral. Um, so, like, continuing that work and just be, you know, using that chamber as well to platform um, our messaging in, an, in another forum, basically. I mean, a lot has been made about your age during this whole process and to mm -hmm. us I think we think it's an incredible achievement but do you feel that some people have been ever so slightly patronizing perhaps in the way it's been covered or how do you feel the media attention on you has been during this period? Yeah I mean a lot of it has been quite personal but um, I think I and along with other people we were expecting that unfortunately um, and at first I think it what it did kind of hurt um, but then when I remembered why I'm doing it, I, you know, I've changed how I feel about it, just in terms of if I can do it and do a good job, then hopefully the next young woman that kind of puts themselves out there into such a position won't have as much kind of targeted hate about their age or being a young woman, you know, just kind of breaking that kind of stereotype, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, but also I, I accept criticism um, and I get, I get that, but then also I do think that, the House of Lords, the average age is 71. Um, and that isn't representative of our society. And um, so most people there aren't even, there isn't even many people there that represent people under 50. So, you know, um, so at 27, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to have, uh, you know, just to give a, a different perspective, basically. So um, yeah, fair, you know, if people think that that's, that's fair, but I just want to be able to bring in um, new voices, hopefully, and prove them wrong. No, I think that's completely fair enough, Carwin. I'm just yeah. you know, intrigued to see mm. to what extent you think it's an age thing, to what extent you think it's a gender thing. Do you think do you mm. think it, you will receive more criticism because of your age, 
because you're a woman than necessarily you think a 27 year old bloke would do i i think it's a bit of both so i think it's mainly age but then at the same time i i'm sure um some of your listeners will remember when so charlotte owen was appointed um into the lord she was also appointed at the same time as a a man of a similar age but we don't the media hasn't really discussed him is, is what I mean. So, so just in terms of not not about them as individuals, but just to how that's quite interesting that they were the similar ages, but, you know, mainly the media kind of went after um, her appointment um, in like more of a negative way. Um, and that just kind of perhaps shows, you know, perhaps an example of where gender kind of does come into it too. Um, but, you know, you can't ever really be sure. Do you feel as though you've received enough support from Plaid Cymru, both in sort of the this change to your your life, but also in a professional basis of how you're going to be able to operate in the Lords? Ultimately, when I put my name forward, I only did so on because of people internally within the party were encouraging me to do so. Um, mainly women, to be fair, which was which was great. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do it without support from both friends and people within the party to to do it really so um yeah no I, I i think that they've been people around me have been really really supportive and i'm i'm really grateful for that so the process that saw you um mm-hmm. elected feels it feels weird to say obviously to an appointed chamber but was yeah. <laughs> determined that you would be Plaid Cymru's nominee um for the next uh position in the house of lords they would receive, obviously ensure that a woman would come top of that list. But Plaid have been somewhat reticent in the past to sort of use all women shortlist in Senev selections. And with the fact that the gender quotas bill seems to have gone away or is very unlikely to make progress, do you think you'd be in favour of Plaid Cymru using this sort of process in the future to ensure that women are selected top of these these new sit- seat lists we're going to have in the next Senev election? Yeah, well, I, I, I think these types of procedures are needed until you kind of change that balance. I think it's the best way to to make that change is, um, you know, and as a, as a pie of equality to push through and make that change is to have, you know, that like we've had similar elections like you've just listed there. So in 99, 2003, 2007, with the, the first person elected in each of the regional lists had to be a woman. Um, and we've had some brilliant women um, come into politics through through those channels, basically. Um, and yeah, no, I, I'm a I'm a supporter of those types of procedures. It's a, it's a difficult one, though, isn't it? Because I think, obviously, speaking from a Labour Party perspective, we've been using ADU, all women shortlists, for years and years and years now. We do you do notice that often when they're no longer there, the party seemingly defaults back to selecting men unfortunately but it's it's a it's i suppose this is a procedural issue to deal with a sort of wider mm-hmm. systemic issue in our society and in our, our politics really isn't it? yeah and you, you kind of have to change that tide and it it doesn't just happen in one election it, it takes it takes you know several elections to be able to change that um yeah the way that the um well society reacts basically so Speaking of future elections, whilst you can't be an MS and a member of the House of Lords at the same time, that would not stop you from being a candidate for any future uh, Senedd elections. Do you think you'd have ambitions one day to stand in the Senedd? 
I'm just taking it day by day at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic politician's answer. <laughs> no, but it, you know, it must have crossed, crossed your mind. Obviously, having stood for the European Parliament before. I mean, not not to hold you in on any answer, but it, it must for a point cross your mind if in case you ever decided no longer to wish. No, if you got your dream and the House of Lords was abolished, you'd never know. <laughs> oh, was that my dream though? No. Um, <laughs> well, no, what what I what I would say is um I just always want to do something that I feel like I'm contributing in a positive way. So whatever that might look like, um I I can't I I don't know what the, the future holds really. Um but yeah I'm just committed to to taking on this new role um and we'll we'll see what happens but you know i think it's all about bringing people with you as well and hopefully and i'd love to encourage um young women to to stand um you know across wales for different roles well whilst we've still got you i think we should talk a little bit about plaid cymru and the future of plaid cymru <laughs> obviously a lot of good policies have been won through the cooperation agreement mm-hmm. um, and as we head into the next Senate election, it looks very likely that um, we'll need some form of coalition in order to uh, govern in the next next Senate. What do you think are the sort of benefits of this sort of partnership working that Plaid Cymru have embarked upon? Uh, and do you see space for that in the future? And not only in the Senate, but as you progress, obviously, working in the Lords. I think it's um, healthy politics. And what I mean by that is actually seeing politicians from different parties and those that aren't in government being able to deliver policies that matter to people's day-to-day lives. And I think a a prime example of that is um, free school meals in terms of, I I don't know what the the figure is now, but it's something like 2 million free school meals have now been delivered as part of the cooperation agreement. That is helping people now. Um, And I think that's the... That's what happens when you have cooperative politics and um, when people come around a table together um, and, you know, make some compromises, but actually deliver now and not just kind of argue and just be like, well, no, actually, I 100% can't support on this, but actually come meet in the middle. Um, And then when you meet in the middle, you can actually make positive changes to people's lives, I think. So... I think it sets a, a good precedent for the future, especially with Senev reform, having a bigger Senev and what that could could look like. But I yeah, to to be a, an effective Welsh government, I think you do need to open up to to other parties um and just just to make the best policies, really. So obviously before we get to the Senate election, we've got the rather yeah. tricky bit of the general election uh before us, probably. <laughs> At some hopefully at some point this year um how do you see this year going politically do you see a strong result applied in the future and obviously i think we're all thinking that it's very likely to be um, a labor government but with everything that's going on in welsh politics at the minute can you see the wheels ever falling off the big labor machine as we head towards the general election a question <laughs> it also depends when um the election lands i guess but um yeah no i i don't think that the conservatives are you know going to to do well in in the current um scenario um but hopefully in well while, while i'm working with the the westminster group i'm hoping that 
we'll have a few new um, High Cymru MPs to join in Llynos in Nynnes Morn and Catherine as well, um, which would be, you know, brilliant to have, um, have, you know, other woman voices as well um, in Westminster. So, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. But, um, you know, I, I really hope that and, you know, I'm quite um, excited for them to, to join, really. Um, yeah. Carmen, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.